found in that space and found in that reality two things. Number one, a lot of people actually resonated with my darkness. You know, I had hid from all of these things that I felt and that I thought made me weird. And as I shared this darkness, it was like millions of people related to it. And I was like, holy shit, you guys are all just as fucked up as I am. This is episode number 149 with Sean Whalen. You're listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. Welcome back to American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Once again, my name is Dave Brown. I'm a real estate investor, lifestyle entrepreneur, coach, and the co-host here along with my partner, author, speaker, and gold star wife, Barbara Allen. And we have another amazing show for you today, an incredible guest. Uh, but first, before we get to that, just kind of want to remind uh, remind you and, and for the new listeners out there what our podcast and platform is all about. Uh, this is a patriotic, entrepreneurial, mindset-driven interview show. We're all about positivity, possibility, and patriotism. We're huge supporters of our military and our veterans. We believe the American dream is alive and well. And all of our guests that we have on each and every week prove that that's absolutely a fact, that it's true, because they're all living their own versions of the American dream. Uh, we also believe that uh, American patriotism is worth fighting for, and that's exactly what we do here each and every week and what our guests believe in as well. So we like to say we're the counterbalance to everything that you're seeing right now in current events. So if you uh, believe in our mission and our message and what we're doing here, uh, all that we ask is that you share our podcast with a friend, uh, follow us on social media, and please, if you get a chance, leave us a five-star review. Uh, reviews are really important because they help us get this platform out there in front of more people. And not so much for us, but for the people that we have on our show, the guests that we have on our show, uh, we just believe that their stories and their messages uh, really need to be heard in uh, today's world. So appreciate you being here again. And so we're going to get right into this week's episode right now with Sean Whalen. Uh, Sean is at the forefront of the entrepreneurial and personal development worlds. His reputation as a hard-charging, patriotic, no-bullshit kind of personality is not for the easily offended individual, but millions of people around the country and the world follow Sean to learn from him and to connect with others who share an appreciation for his direct approach in life. Uh, raised in a single-parent home, Sean worked his way out of the underdog position to achieve wealth and success only to lose his family and his business in a catastrophic fall that led him to a depression that almost claimed his life. But Sean pulled himself back together, repaired the wounds in his life, and turned his pain into purpose by creating the kind of success only the most driven people achieve. He is a CEO and an investor in several massively successive companies, but there's one he's most widely known for, and that's his role as founder and CEO of the global movement, Lions Not Sheep. So listen in as Sean gets real about building success, who his hero is, and how he's approaching love this time around, and most importantly, what his version of the American dream is all about. So without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Sean Whalen. You're listening to the American Snippets Podcast. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I'm your co-host, Barb Allen, here today with Sean Whalen, 
Sean's a father of three. He's a founder of several multi-million dollar companies from apparel to tech to consulting and speaking. He's also got his hands in other industries like the hemp business and the restaurant business. And he's got his book, How to Make Shit Happen, which I believe I saw sold 400,000 copies or something. It's over 400,000, yeah. Obscene like that. And I know why after reading it. Um, He's also the CEO of Lions Not Cheap and uses his platform to talk about personal, professional, and also patriotic values, which is one of the things that we love about him most too. Sean, thanks so much for taking the time to sit down today with us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, and thanks for not getting a restraining order when I kept messaging you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to get into it. I've, the first thing I notice, maybe this is because I'm a chick. Maybe it's because I'm also a single mom. I raised my kids on my own after my husband was killed. Uh, and so I saw that you dedicated this book to your mom. And right away, I was like, man, this guy, I'm going to pay attention to what this guy says, right? Because yeah. I after raising my boys you know, the best I could, I, I would love to hear them say this about me, what you say about your mom. Do you, you want to talk about that for a second? Like what makes sure. her a hero? Yeah. I mean, my mom's my hero. I grew up, yeah. uh, my parents split up when I was in an early teenager and my mom essentially raised my brother and I, and, uh, she's literally my hero. I watched her, uh, go from being married to my dad, basically taking off and leaving her with all the debt. And she spent years and years and years, um, doing the best that she could, working multiple jobs. And I remember many, many, many nights passing by her bedroom and seeing her on her knees praying. And, and she was a great, is a great woman of faith. And, uh, and she always told me, uh, it took me 40 years to figure this out, but it, she always told me whenever I left the house, I remember who you are. And uh, I didn't really understand that. I didn't really know that for many, many, many years. But she's, uh, she's a very, very, very strong woman and a woman that has inspired and motivated me more than really anybody else um, uh, in my life. And so I only saw it, saw it fitting to, to dedicate my first, uh, my first book to her. That's so cool. Did she know you were going to do that or did she just she had no idea? No, it was a total, yeah. it was a total surprise. So when, when it very first came out, I, I got her a copy of it and, and she was obviously very emotional and, and very grateful, but uh, she didn't know. So it was really cool. That is, that is pretty cool. And I love to think about, cause I'm sure she wasn't you know, perfect. She probably thought she made mistakes. So anyway, I'll, I mean, I'll get off the topic, but just seeing you, you say that shows it's a class act, man for you no, and your mom speaks you, to a lot. You single moms. I have a lot, a lot, a lot of respect. I mean, there's, there's a lot in our culture and our society. You talk a lot of, about this and that and the other and marriage and the whole thing. But uh, if you find yourself being a single dad, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting role. It's a very, very, very um, incredibly daunting task to be a single parent. Um, and so I have a lot of respect and a lot of admiration for single parents, uh, both single moms and single dads that are present that, that make yeah. it their job to create harmony with their ex, even though there wasn't harmony or else they'd still be together I, as somebody who's gone through divorce myself. Um, so I have a great deal of respect uh, for both men and women that have kind of achieved and built that level of, of cohesiveness with their ex and, and, and are able to do that. So, you know, hats off to all the single moms, hats off to all the single dads out there making it work. Yeah, that's excellent. All right. So you have, you have that story that is like this, like this rise to the top, this crash, and then this rise again. It's, um, it's 
I'm going to say it's cool, but it wasn't cool for you to live through it, but it's cool that you've learned what, you know, what you've taken away from it. We're going to touch on that real quick for anybody who wants his whole entire story in depth. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make Sean talk about that here. I listened to your podcast, your first episode of the Sean Whalen show. Go on over to that site. What is this? Is SeanWhalen.com? Is that SeanWhalen.com? Yeah. SeanWhalen.com. And listen to that podcast episode if you want him to just to hear strictly his story because he's got so much else about him. But we'll touch on aspects of your story as well because it really is incredible what you've managed to do and how you've taken from it and how you're just unabashedly out there, like going for it and staying true to yourself, especially today when you know all these people are ready to just pounce and judge and how you really just don't give a shit about any of them doing that to you. (laughs) So look, by the time you were in your mid twenties, you'd flipped like over 3,700 houses. You had built a multi-million dollar company. You were married. You had a kid, if I'm correct at that point in time. And you flew a little too close to the sun, right? And and something, something went awry. You want to take us through that? Yeah, you know, you look hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And yeah. I look back at it now, and I'm, I'm so grateful that I went through what I went through um, because I realize now that I'm able to be a better father because of it. I'm a better man because of it. I'm a better leader because of what I went through. And you'd think going to like an Ivy League school, which I never did. I, I barely graduated high school. Um, would be the education that you needed, but I needed the, the school of hard knocks. And so I was really successful at a young age. I grew up, you know, in the single parent home and there wasn't a silver spoon around me. So I mean, I had to build what it is that I wanted. And I found myself really successful as an entrepreneur at a young age. Um, I just did things differently. And uh, I, we, we, we started, um, you know, flipping houses and I was into developments and different things like that. And, and uh, like you say, I flew too close to the sun. I, I just couldn't lose. I mean, when you don't lose, you keep pushing your chips in the middle of the table. And then when the market crashed, it, uh, it kicked one of my business's asses. And then the other business that I had was starting to explode with growth. And I talk in my book about how I, w- I was juggling bowling balls every day um, and not having a dad figure around and having the social influence of this is what success looks like. And this is what it should be by all by all definitions, I was wildly successful. I had the marriage, I had the white picket fence, we had multiple cars, we had vacation homes, we had, you know, we were making millions of dollars. Um, but I didn't know why the hell I was doing any of it. And so as, as I started getting my ass handed to me in one business and the other business is flourishing every day, it was just waking up in this state of chaos and feeling like when I was at home, I needed to be at work. But when I was at work, I needed to be at home and, you know, it would take the family to Disneyland, but I'm on my Blackberry to kind of date me a little bit. I'm on my BlackBerry the entire time. And my ex-wife was mad because I'm on my BlackBerry, but then I'm mad at her because I'm like, how the hell do you think we can afford to be here? Because I need to be on my BlackBerry. And so it was just this constant place of, of chaos. And uh, eventually just, I, I don't know what a midlife crisis is, but if it means walking away from your entire life, your marriage, your businesses, that's exactly what I did. And I, I essentially just broke uh, and I left everything. I left my marriage. Um, I left a business that I had built from scratch that was making $25 million a year. Um, and for 18 months, I stuck my head on my ass essentially and tried to figure out not how to make money or how to build a good business. But like, I was just really tried to figure out why the fuck I was even here. Like why I was even on earth, like what my purpose was in being in this existence. And it was a really dark period of time. Um, and one night it led to me drinking myself to oblivion and I put a nine millimeter in my mouth and I almost blew my brains out. And I woke up that next day and, and uh, I knew that I didn't know how to figure this problem out. And it wasn't an addiction problem. There was no infidelity. I just, my ex-wife and I just kind of grew apart and 
she was emotionally resentful and I was emotionally resentful. And here we were just kind of at war with each other, but really we were at war with ourselves. And so I, uh, I did what most men don't do. And I reached out for help. I called a buddy of mine. I said, dude, I don't know how to not be angry. Like I'm pissed at the world. I'm pissed at everybody. I'm fucking mad at everybody. And I don't know why, you know what I mean? I had all of this cool shit, but I was still angry. Like I'm angry at her. I'm angry at the market. I'm angry at the business partners. I'm angry. Like, why am I so fucking angry? And, and I, uh, I went on a journey and I started really doing things that were very uncomfortable for me, things that I didn't want to do. Um, pride is a really easy shield. Um, anger is a really easy shield. It's easy to hide behind these things. It's easy to lie. And my entire life I had lied because uh, I was programmed that way. We were all programmed that way. If you, if you stop to think about it, I don't care how old anybody is who's watching the shows. When we were little kids, we were programmed to lie, you know, sit down, quiet. ever since you were a little child. This is what's right. This is what's wrong. This is what's good. This is what's bad. You go to religion, you know, this is, you got to do this to go to heaven. If you do this, you're going to go to hell. And there's a little kid, you know, it's funny as a father of three now, a little kid that says, why? And you're like, well, just because, you know, just sit down and shut up because I'm the parent, right? Just do as you're told. Yeah. I think back to when I was a kid and that's how I was raised. And so we didn't ask very many questions. We weren't, you know what I mean? And, And so my entire life had been this mirage of just, telling everybody what I thought they wanted to hear and what was quote unquote socially acceptable. And at yeah. 31 years old, I, I, I basically burned my entire world to the ground because I didn't know who the fuck I was. I didn't know where I fit in this entire game. And um, it was simply because I was a liar. And uh, all of that changed after that night. And I started telling my truth. One of the, the, the very first challenges from my coach um, was to start sharing my story and talking about these things. And the very first thing that he had me do was write my ex-wife this letter of appreciation. I had so much anger built up. Now you gotta understand, like, there's a lot more to the story that we haven't talked about. But yeah. like, anybody who's been through a really nasty divorce knows well, no. that if your ex was hit by a bus, you probably would have been like, "Yes, <laughs> winning. That was great." And that's really where I was. And yeah. it took me three months to write her this letter of appreciation, and that was kind of the first domino that started knocking down all of these dominoes of me being just a prideful son of a bitch. Um, and, and that led to me starting to share my story. And one day I shared uh, some of the darkness that, that I went through in my divorce and it ended up going viral. Um, and it went tens of millions of people saw it. Um, it was all, it went literally traveled the world. And I, I kind of found in that space and found in that reality, two things. Number one, a lot of people actually resonated with my darkness. You know, I had hid from all of these things that I felt and that I thought made me weird. And as I shared this darkness, it was like millions of people related to it. And I was like, holy shit, you guys are all just as fucked up as I am. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it made sense. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the second thing was like, as I started sharing that story, I started feeling better. I felt lighter. I didn't feel like I had to hide from who I was, hide from my feelings, hide from my emotions anymore. Um, and I just kind of kept going and sharing and talking and sharing and talking. And I felt better And this tribe kind of started to grow and millions and millions and millions, almost a billion people have viewed my videos and, and posts online now. Um, and it's been just this incredible journey of me sharing, you know, my mess and, and truly my mess has become my message. And that's what's allowed me to build these businesses and kind of get back into the game, if you will, um, and doing what I'm doing, like with Lions Not Sheep and my other companies. Yeah, that's great. And there's so much of that that I connect with. And I want to take a minute here to encourage. I know you uh, primarily, you know, 
some of your events are geared toward men. I know you have women involved. I actually just registered finally for Lions and the Sheep this morning. Um, so I'll be jumping okay. in there because I cannot find any women talking to women the way that you do. Right. And so I was, my husband was killed in 2005. I had four little kids. He was killed in Iraq. There was a murder story. It's crazy. Right. And the whole time, the instinct, I think, is to protect women and nurture women. But we need to be pushed just as hard and just as well. And we right. need to hear this message, too. So I would encourage any woman listening to actually take heart to this as well and apply these message and like maybe drop the persona. If people are around you are trying to protect you, kick them out of the room for a minute and just pay attention to this podcast and what you have to say, because it will save you some pain. I had that moment sitting there with the pills in my hand while my kids were outside the door. So I, I know the strength it took for you to climb out and I just have huge respect for it. Um, I want to talk about that anger, which is what you, you touch on so much. And I, I, I know that the anger can hold you in, can lock you in. And I think that it's especially relevant in this country today. For us as people, as individuals in our personal life, our professional lives, anger will kind of fuck us up a little yeah, bit, right? It'll, it'll kill you. It will kill you. And I think that it's really relevant for current events, right? And I'd love to know your thoughts on how anger is being manipulated, or I shouldn't have said manipulated. That's putting my thoughts into your yes. sense, right? But do you think anger is being manipulated? Uh, oh, for- <laughs> how much time do we have? Like how far yeah. down the rabbit do you want to go? No, I mean, go for it because it, it needs to be said. You can't turn on the news. You can't turn, you can't open up Facebook, Instagram, anywhere and not just see a massive amount of rage and anger and hatred across the board. And this isn't even a race thing anymore. It's not even a Republican or a Democrat thing anymore. It's just across the board. There's so much fucking hatred and anger. And I truly believe, I mean, more men killed themselves in 2018 than during the Great Depression. Like, stop and think about that for a second. More men killed themselves, like committed suicide. They're doing that now more than when the, you know, during the Great Depression. We stop and think about why. You know, it's not because there's a lack of money or, or, or opportunity, right? We've got the ability to go out and build businesses and make millions of dollars. It's not because there's a lack of women or, you know, easy hookups. You go down to a fucking local bar, you turn on Bumble, Tinder, I mean, you get ass in two seconds, right? So when you think about these things, it's not for a lack of any of these things without, you know, any disrespect. It's because we're fucking lying. We're lying as a culture. We're lying as a society. We're trying to, to, to literally fucking rewrite what mother nature has written. And I don't care who you are, how much money you have. I don't care if you're deep state, top state, this, I don't give a shit. It doesn't matter what political affiliation you have. You can't change mother nature. You can't change how things really work. You can't change the DNA that's inside of man. You can't change that. And, and we've had 75 years in this country of this radical feminist movement. And I'm not talking about feminism and, and what you think of feminism. I'm talking about the softening. I'm talking about the literally my kids can't play tag at their school because yeah. they're not allowed to have any physical contact. When I was a little kid, we beat the shit out of each other. We played Smear the Queer. We played Red Rover. We're like, send, send Johnny over. We're going to fuck him up. And we clothesline the kid, knock him down. And if he got a bloody lip, we're like trying to help him not have a bloody lip because then we'd all get in trouble if we came off the playground. Yeah. We're trying to change these things into where Everybody looks the same, feels the same, smells the same, earns the same. Like, it's not humanly possible to do. And I think what's happening is inside of people, we're like, that's not me. That's not me. I'm not that person. I have feelings. I have emotions. I have ideas. I, 
I feel this way about my God or about my, my country or about whatever. But if you say anything, you're ridiculed, you're persecuted. You can't say this, you can't say that, you can't do this, you can't do that. And so we're literally raising a culture and now trying to like legislate people to be sheep, to just shut the fuck up and sit in the corner. And human beings were not meant, not designed to shut the fuck up and sit in the corner. Like men are fucking killers, plain and simple. It wasn't even a hundred years ago. McDonald's didn't fucking exist. You didn't go throw your plastic card and go pick up lunch. If you didn't go out in the fucking mountains and hunt or fish, you starved to death. You literally, we, men, were our, our DNA is in killers. We are natural, innate killers. Survive or die. That is what is inside of men. Period. End of story. You can't legislate that. You can't change that. That's not a black thing, a white thing, a rich thing, a poor thing. That's what's inside of mankind. And I think what's really fucking fascinating is like the more we try and, and, and create this across the board equality, the more angry people are getting. You it does know what seem I'm saying? that way. It does seem like the more you try to placate and appease and pan, you know, you can't. I, I mean, yeah, you can't. there's always been a top of the totem pole. And like, yeah. listen, this is, we, we could go down this rabbit hole however you want. We could talk the socioeconomic stuff. Like yeah. I know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm not some just, you know, redneck who drives a truck who's like, yeah, go get your guns. Like, I know what the fuck I'm talking about. Like, there will always be someone stronger than you. There will always be someone weaker than you. There will always be somebody with more money than you. There will always be somebody with less money than you. That's how it's always been since the dawn of creation. That's how mother nature created us. Mother, I don't give a fuck if you don't believe in mother nature. That's how it's been since the caveman days. There's always been an alpha in the group there's always been a beta. And the truth of the matter is, as they're migrating and going this way, if you fall and break your leg, they don't give a fuck. You either get up, you solve your problem and you keep moving or you're left to fucking die. And I know that there's a lot of ideology around this changing that, but you can't. And I think deep down, what's really, really, really causing so much anger and hatred is we have two thought processes. One is this hunt or, and, and feed yourself, kill or be killed, and someone save me, someone help me. This feminist, feminist like ideology, which is like, you know, what you talked about a minute ago with women. There is a time for hugs, high fives, and attaboys and ass pats. And make no mistake, there's a time that everybody needs to get punched in the fucking face and yeah. woken up. Men or women, black or white, rich or poor, that is the way that the, that the laws of this universe work. Like if you're just walking around all day, hugging everybody saying, it's okay to be fat. It's okay to be broke. No, it's not. It's not. You're right. killing yourself by being morbidly obese. If you're broke, like you literally cannot help yourself. You are reliant on a system, on a, on a, on a, on a, on a culture, and that's not sustainable. And so I think what's really beautiful to me, it's a really beautiful thing right now is there's a war going on between that and it's causing so much anger because so many people are trying so hard to prove their point and make it one way or the other. And at the end of the day, you're going to, we're going to revert back to mother nature. Like the strong will survive the people that are prepared will. I mean, I, I did a podcast interview and I don't want to spend too much time on this answer, like, cause we could go down this rabbit hole, but I want you to think about one thing really quick for everyone listening to this. Okay. And I don't care who you are, what you are, how you were raised, single parent, family, rich, poor. If the power went out, 
and I'm not just talking about in your town. Let's just say there was some cataclysmic event, some solar flare, and it knocked the power out in all of America for six months. We're doomed. I want you to really (laughs) think about that for a second. Yeah. Your way of life, your way of life, there is no more food. All all, all, All of your refrigerators are gone. Your stores are gone. Transportation is gone. Gas pumps work off of electric. There's no electric. That gas doesn't come out. Can't put your credit card in. Our monetary system is gone. Our communication system is gone because we just plug our iPhone into the wall and I have juice. Everything changes. And I want you to think for one second. What would happen to human beings? What would happen to us as a culture? Break everything down to the simplest form with just one thing happening, just the power. And I'm not talking about the rich. The rich fucked everybody. No, everybody. There's no power for anybody. There will come a point in time where what I teach with lions, not sheep, and what I talk about in having your house in order, that just might be reality in the sense, can you hunt? Can you create shelter? Can you like feed and, and nourish your family? Can you know how to find water and purify water? Like the simplest, most basic forms of survival. The, the truth of the matter is, 75 plus percent of the world would die within six months. Be dead. They'd starve to death. And when you break everything down and start thinking simplistically like that, Sean, we're so technologically advanced and we have cell phones and we drive cars and we fly airplanes. Like mother nature is not dumb. That shit could happen. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much money you have, how technologically advanced you are. The question is, can you be a person that can put yourself at the top part of the totem pole that fucking survives. And that's what it boils down to, to me. And I think that's, what's really at the root of this is so few people are prepared financially, emotionally, psychologically that causes that we, we, we get angry when we fear things, right? We yeah. fear what we don't know. And that's really, really, really a beautiful thing happening in our culture right now is this war between these two things. Like somebody help me, somebody provide for me. I want everything taken care of. I want free everything and fuck off. I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. Anyways, I could go down that rabbit hole in many, many, many different ways, but there is no doubt that there is a war happening right now, and it's not rich and poor. It's not black and white. It is this ideology of survival of the fittest, and it will win every time. It will win every time. Yeah, yeah, it is, and we really do. We have become self-reliant, and that's again, that's another theme that I discovered in my own life. When you get knocked on your ass. If there are people there, on the one hand, it's great that there are people there to swoop in and pick you up and tell you it's going to be okay and cover things for you that you can't, you feel like you can't cover at the same time. But on the other, it's a slippery slope because then you become dependent and you start believing that you need that help. Exactly. And it really, that, that sent me down this, like, just, I well, just and that, had a and shit that's what I, that's for like eight about. years. <laughs> yeah. That's what I share yeah, with people. So. There are still men today in 2020 that are bitching and moaning and complaining how they lost everything when the market crashed in 2008. Bro, that was 10 fucking years ago. What are you doing now? You're broke now still because something happened 10 years ago. When you think of the ideology around that, we're raising a culture where if a little kid falls on the playground, he goes and he tells somebody. And at the end of the day, like we're raising not just children, but our entire culture is like, you shouldn't feel emotions. You shouldn't feel sad. You You should feel emotions. You should just feel the emotions you're told to feel. Exactly. And that's not when you're told to feel them and where you're told to feel them. We're told what to say, what to speak, what to feel. Yeah. 
That's literally going against the primal DNA inside of human beings. And it's not a race thing. It's not a money thing. That's inside of every human being. That's literally where I was. I was sedated. I was quiet. I was just this robot, this sheep going through life, like making my money, doing my thing, having sex, food on the table. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, why am I here? Like, there's got to be more to this existence. Got to be more to this. And all of a sudden I started sharing my truth saying, yeah, I do get angry. Yeah, I do have feelings. I do have emotions. I was doing a, I, I was, I was giving a lecture um, last year in Phoenix and we were talking about marketing and social media for 600 people. And, and to prove this point of, of the vulnerability and telling the truth and speaking real words in the middle of this conversation, I stopped and I asked everybody, I said, how many of you have ever thought about killing yourself? And it was like, you're going to see the cartoon, like waiting for the car crash. Like, what the Seriously, that's a bold I said, no, question. I want you to really yeah. think about this. I said, I'm not saying you're suicidal. I'm saying right. how many of you at some point in time of your life have ever thought about ending your life? I mean, you just talked about it. You had pills yeah. in your hand, right? Yeah. Almost every hand in that room went up. It took a little bit of coercion and like people seeing, okay. I said, look around the room. Almost everyone in here has thought about that. I said, now put your hands down. Now, how many of you have ever told anybody that or talked about it? There were four people in the entire room. Huh. And I said, that's the difference. Like that's the differentiating factor right now is those of you that understand that everyone is experiencing life, but so few people are willing to speak this truth. That is why so many people are angry. That is why what you're seeing now is this awakening of real p- passion. It is anger. It's showing up as kids literally breaking windows and turning over fucking cop cars and setting shit on fire. Like they're fucking angry. They yeah. don't know what they're angry at. They're not really sure why I'm doing this. Maybe because it's BLM. Maybe because it's this. Hey, I don't know, but I'm just, everybody else is pissed. So I'm going to eat this. And I truly believe it's a beautiful thing. I know it sounds crazy and, and weird. We should be able to sort it out some other way. But as a little child, I mean, as a father of, of three kids, like sometimes you need to let a little kid just have their fucking temper tantrum. Go in the corner, have your temper tantrum, come over and talk to me when you're done. Yeah. Right now, America, our culture, our society is having a really big fucking temper tantrum. <laughs> that's, that's a really good way of putting it. I can't wait for that. Well, we had a timeout. We came out of our timeout. We had like the timeout came before the tantrum. It's a little mm-hmm. reverse, but all right. You... I do want to uh, talk about a couple other things that I just found so interesting. Um, There's so many, but these are the the highlights, if you want to say, because I love it. I'm always, I, I curse all the time. Right. And I'm trying, I do try to be a little bit better, but I curse all the freaking time. And so I love it that I love it that you do too, but I love it that you also talk about faith and you're not afraid to like curse when you're talking about faith. Cause I cannot tell you how many people (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, I talk to God. I'm like, I'm driving down the road and I give my angel a high five. I'm like, whoever just was my angel today deserves a better, new fucking halo. You know, and people are like, you say that? I'm like, I don't go to church anymore. I was a Catholic, you know, raised in the Catholic church. I don't yep. go there anymore, but I came with faith. And so just like you do, and you were an ordained minister, like you took it next level. You got yeah. traveled with some Mormons and then you became an ordained minister. How does that all happen? Especially at such a young age. And how did you managed to get to a point where you extracted religion from your faith because that is an area yeah. I'm so interested in. It's a great, great question. Um, I grew up Catholic. I was Catholic, my Irish Catholic family. Both of my parents were born and raised in the Bronx. I mean, I used to put the American flag up with the Irish flag right underneath it with my grandfather yeah. every single morning. Um, and I mean, it was Catholic, Catholic, right? 
Um, my mom joined the Mormon church a year before I was born. The Mormon missionaries came, knocked on the door, and my mom and dad both took the discussions from the Mormon missionaries. And my dad was like, yeah, sounds great. I'll do the deal, but I'm not going to stop drinking. Mormon, I mean, Catholics, this is what we did. Everybody drank in the family, right? <laughs> my mom's like, okay, I'll do it. So my mom joined and my dad didn't. So I was raised in this kind of two ideology household. Um, and I went to mass and my mom went to mass and she was still like Catholic, but had joined the church just because it was the thing. And so long story short, when my parents split up, um, everybody in my mom's world was Catholic or was, was, was Mormon. And so my brother and I were baptized in the Mormon church. I kept being a hellion, you know, did my thing. And, and when I uh, just outside of high school, I was like, all right, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this God thing. I'm going to try this religion thing. And I got serious about it and I started studying and learning and I decided to go on a, a Mormon mission. And so I spent two years uh, up in Montana as a Mormon missionary, as an ordained minister, uh, preaching and teaching um, both Bible and Book of Mormon. And, and uh, it was a really, really, really powerful experience for me. And, and I love the Mormon missionaries. I, anybody that comes and knocks on my door, I don't give a shit who you are. You can be the, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses. I love everybody coming in because to me, anybody that takes their time to go out and share a message of positivity. I might not agree with you doctrinally, but you know what? Cheers to you for taking that time to try and go out and better people's lives. You know what I mean? I think there's a lot of misconceptions around a lot of that. Um, But then I I spent 10 years in my marriage in the Mormon faith and and, in the Mormon temple and doing, doing that. Um, And, you know, I studied a lot. I wasn't just this kid who grew up Catholic and yeah, I'm Catholic. You ask most Catholics, what's Catholicism? They have no fucking clue. You ask them what the creed of Nicaea is, they have no fucking clue. You ask them where the Bible came from, they have no fucking clue. It came from the guy at church. No, it didn't. (laughs) And so I spent a lot of time really diving into the doctrine and diving into the history of of not only the Catholic Church, but the Mormon Church. And and, uh, after my divorce, I I never was one to curse God. That was the one thing I never really got angry at. I was angry at my position. I was angry at everything. But it was never like, fuck you, God. I never like went down that path. Um, and so I, I started really like questioning, like not my, not just my entire life, but like, what is this? Like this entire purpose of me being here. And I found that the more that I conversed with God and the more I, I engaged in that reality, the less I felt compelled to be part of any religion. And so for me, I, I look at, you know, as a Mormon missionary, I would go tell people, we'd talk to them and, you know, everybody's white shirts and black tags and they're walking around and looking all chipper and stuff. I tell people, I say, look, you can listen to my companion I hear. We can teach you about God all day long, right? We can read scriptures. I said, but if you want to know about a Ferrari, you don't go ask a Porsche guy. If you want to know about a Ford, you don't go ask a Chevy guy. So if you really want to know about God, who he is, where he is, what to do, what's right, what's wrong, go fucking talk to God. I mean, James 1.5 is one of, my, one of my favorite scriptures. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. I mean, he's literally saying, hey, if you want to know about me, talk to me. And so I started going down that path and I just found that religion to me was, was very much like how I was raised. I mean, it was kind of putting me in a box. This is right. This is wrong. This is good. This is bad. Do this. Don't do this. These guys are all wrong. We're all right. And I was like, I don't know that I believe Sounds that. Sounds familiar, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was, and to me, yeah. it's, a, it's evolution, right? And I think religion is absolutely beautiful for the people that need it. I think it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's a fantastic institution for the people that need it. I just realized that my connection with deity was significantly greater than what I was finding in organized religion. I mean, I have this conversation with people all the time about God. People are like, oh, dude, you know, prove that he exists. I'm like, 
prove that he doesn't. Right. You right. can't, right? I can't prove that he does. You can't prove that he doesn't. So let's, there's some commonality there. Now we can actually have some fluidity in a conversation. But, you know, I, I tell people all the time, like, I've seen three babies come out of a woman's vagina. You, that didn't happen by rocks just colliding in the cosmos. I can't explain it, but something's way fucking bigger than me <laughs> that's out there orchestrating this. I can't prove it. I don't need to prove it. That's my personal belief system. It's what I feel and it's something that drives me. But going back to what you initially talked about, like there's this box literally that we've been socially, societally, the education system, our religious system, that ever since we were little children, we've been programmed to live inside of this box, right? And so when I talk, I'm very passionate about what I talk about. I, I say words that might offend people, but the real question isn't my word is why does a word offend you? Why, why is it that you live in a place where something with, with, with power and, and, and vigor offends you, right? And so for me, I, I realized that for most of my life, I prayed prayers that were taught to me, right? Our Father who art in heaven. And, and I got to this place where I realized, like, I'm not going to tell God what to do. I can't. I mean, that's dumb of me. It's just not, it's not what I believe. And so, you know, I went from that reality of doing what I was told, listening, Catholic this, Mormon this, to you know, I wake up every morning with immense, immense, immense gratitude for just the ability to wake up. I mean, that in and of itself is the greatest gift. You might be depressed. You might have anxiety. You might have all these problems, all these things in your life. But the reality is you fucking woke up, man. There were people that didn't wake up. And so now I've just moved into this place where I, I, I express immense gratitude when I wake up and I just share with God. I'm like, hey, put the people in front of me that you need me to meet and put the words in my mouth that you need me to speak. And I'm just going to keep moving my life forward drawing closer to you as I can, as, as you, whatever you need me to do, tell me and I'm there, whatever you need me to speak, I'll speak it. And, uh, you know, that's a good thing. It, it, one of the, one of my favorite, you know, scriptures is asking you shall receive, not shall you open me, right? I keep asking for these things and people keep showing up and messages <laughs> keep coming out. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep going here. Right. And it's, it's yeah. weird because a lot of people fight it so much. And how can you say these words and claim yourself to be a Christian? And I'm like, I can curse and be a Christian. Like <laughs> it's it's me, man. I mean, my yeah, relationship isn't with you or right. him or him or her or her or her or this deal or that deal. My relationship's with one dude, and I'm cool with that. And right. I'm totally cool with that. And he and I have a beautiful, phenomenally powerful relationship. And if that doesn't jive with somebody, okay, that's cool. You go build you, I'll go build me. And at the end of the day, we see each other when we see each other. So <laughs> I'm very much an advocate for people going on their own journey and people really asking questions, you know, like, like I say, like, if you lack wisdom, if you want to know, ask, he's going to give it to you. Right. But we're so indoctrinated and programmed with, this is what mom and dad did. This is what grandma and grandpa did. This is what we do in our family as right. Christians or Catholics or Baptists or Mormons or whatever, whatever. But anytime you start asking questions, it makes people really uncomfortable and it makes them uncomfortable because they don't have answers. And to me, that's beautiful. Like, we don't even know where the edge of the universe is. And we're smart. We're smart fucking people. We don't know where the, we haven't found the bottom of the ocean yet. Like, to me, the mysteries are what makes life exciting. Not knowing so many things is what keeps me going and keeps me engaged in searching, right? Imagine if you knew everything. Life would suck. Yeah. Life would be boring, right? If yeah. you knew everything, what would you like, do? What's all the day point? Long? Yeah. What's the point? <laughs> like the beauty is in the journey. The beauty is asking questions, reading the Bhagavad Gita, the Bible, the Book of Mormon, the 
Quran, reading all of these books and just absorbing knowledge and information and things that you don't necessarily know. And then you put that in your own system and it's like, here's what I believe. Here's what I feel. Here's what I converse with God about. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is. All right. So I saw, or I watched that Facebook live post that you did the other day and you just touch on something and then bounced off it. But of course it caught, caught my interest. So you just, uh, just started, you just formed an advisory board and you have two women on it. Are you open to talking about that? Cause I'm curious to know who these two women are that have earned a spot I talked about that. advisory board. Yes. And I caught That's it. Funny. First, I pay attention to that shit. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't have to. No, no, no. I, I love it. It's truth. I mean, it is what it is. I, I went through a, a divorce a number of years ago and I got into a relationship right after my divorce. And, and I was in that relationship for um, about seven years. And that ended the beginning of last year. So about 18 months ago. And I'm a lot different now than I was 10 years ago, right? Life is just different. Kids are older. I have multiple businesses. I'm not a 20 year old living at home, like falling sweetly in love. And we build this thing out of nothing together. Right. Like building a relationship with me is like jumping on a, on a bullet train. You know what I mean? I'm moving and I'm going. So it's like trying to figure out and really build something new with another human being, which I want to do, um, is a really interesting thing. And I know that I'm far from perfect. I'm far from knowledgeable on everything, right? And I'm smart enough to realize that I know what I don't know. And I know that people see things that I don't see. And that's the reason I have a very, very, very small circle of people in my life. But the people that are, are in my life are very powerful. Um, and so it was funny, a, a, a number of months ago, I was sitting with two of my dear friends and, and their wives and we were out at dinner. And I was like, I need you guys to like be an advisory board for me as I'm dating and, and building new realities and new relationships, like I want to make sure that I'm not in my own way. Like I trust these women. They're beautiful, beautiful women. They have amazing relationships and, and relationships that are real, like a race relationships, their relationships are a relationship that I aspire to. I mean, even though I'm, I, I coach hundreds of people and have clients all over the world, I'm still a fucking student. I mean, the very best leaders have mastered the art of following. I am a follower through and through but I follow the right people. I follow people that, that I aspire to be. I follow Christ and God. Cause like, I want to be like that. I want to be more in tune with who I am. And I want to share more vigorously what I believe and what's inside of my, my heart. I mean, you think about what Jesus did. Jesus really is Jesus because he was willing to die for what he believed. You put a gun to most people's head and say, denounce God, or I'm going to blow your fucking head off. They would denounce God because they don't want to die. Jesus was like, no, I believe what I believe. This is real shit. So you're going to have to kill me. And they did. That's what really made him the savior of the world. If you think about it. I look at it from the position of like, I want to be the best version of me. And I know that there are people out there that can help me do that and can see things that I don't see. And it was really, it's really humbling. You know what I mean? I, I think the arrogance and pride of man is what keeps us in a lot of these repetitive realities. You see a lot of people that go from relationship to relationship to relationship they're always blaming the other person. They're always finding the same shit, experiencing the same thing. Oh my God, all the guys are assholes and all the chicks are stupid and whatever, whatever. It's like, no, maybe it's you. Like maybe you're fucked. Maybe you keep bringing the same thing into your space over and over and over again. And so I, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm someone that enjoys family and I love family and I want to build um, a relationship that way. And I know that I have a lot of weaknesses. And so I, 
I kind of sat down with these these two women and and over dinner, I was like, all right, you're on my board. I was like, I'm not even gonna ask you. I'm putting you on my board, which means if you see me being a dick, if you see me being stupid, if you see me being blind by beauty or making bad decisions that I know are not part of things, I mean, I want you to help me see some see some of these things. And we kind of chuckled at it at first, but it's been really cool. It's been really beautiful. Like as I've dated uh, over the last couple of months, I mean, I've, I've spent time with people that I've dated and, and these people and, you know, I, I there's energy, you know, yeah. and, and, and trusting these women and trusting my friends and other people, not relying solely on them, but, you know, heeding counsel is something that uh, is very, very, very powerful for mankind. Um, and so, yeah, it's been a fun, it's been a fun, uh, I fun experience. love that. You know, after I, I did that, I had two relationships. The second one went like, like beyond lifetime movie bad, right? Like just f- blew my life up. I did the same thing. I formed a board for myself when I was like, look, I know that there's someone, I, I know that I need to like pay more attention. I formed an advisory board and I vetted all the guys through them. And mm-hmm. they, I wouldn't, I couldn't go out with anyone that they didn't approve of. And so I, yeah. and it, it I mean, works. I make my decisions, yeah. you make your decisions, yeah. but no doubt, like being they around other me. people, yeah. Yeah. it's, it's good to receive that feedback and say, yeah, you know, she's really cool or your energy was yes. really good or whatever, whatever. Cause look, I mean, I'm, I'm older, right? I mean, relative, it's all relative, right? Yeah, but yeah. I'm not 20 years old in this space anymore. And so it's like, it's really important for me to, to know that, you know, if, if I have a hole in my game or I don't see something or whatever, that there's people around me that'll tell me the truth. Say, I love hey. that you did that. I love, and I guarantee you, it's going to lead to, it's going to lead to an amazing love and relation. I guarantee you. Cause I, 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 I can't I'm wait to pre- see it. I'm sure that's going to be, that's going to be cool to see. I'm glad I, I'm glad yeah. I asked now. I didn't expect that answer, but I'm glad I asked. You never know. <laughs> Don't ask Sean Wellen a question. You don't know you're going to get the answer to. You did it anyway. <laughs> you can ask me anything, man. I'm right. an open book. I, I, I would rather be that than try and yeah. pretend that it's something that I'm not. I mean, I, I have every, you know, you hear the alpha thing all the time and this and the other, but like, I realized that I'm a student, man, and I have a skill set, and I'm really good at certain things and I suck at certain things. And I'm, I'm so far past the pride of like pretending that I'm something that I'm not. That was the yeah. most miserable experience of my life was trying to pretend that I was okay, pretend that I was something that I wasn't. And I have so much more fun. I learned so much more. I'm making more money than I've ever made in my entire life right now by listening and being a student. Like I have friends that have built multi, multi, multi-million dollar businesses that I hang around with and I'm listening and I'm watching and I'm observing and I'm asking questions and I'm implementing in my businesses and doing things that are making me better, right? I have powerful, powerful couples around me Oh, yeah. we're I'm here. Still here. I'm yeah. pow- I have powerful couples around me that I watch and I observe and I see their interaction and I feel their energy and I try and emulate that. I try and replicate that. It, it, I mean, it's like the definition of insanity is banging your head against the wall over and over and over again, trying to get a different result. I did yep. that. I did that most of my life and I won and won and won and won. And then when you lose, it's like, fuck, but like most people, like this is why as a coach, people ask me all the time, you know, how do I get better results? What's the, what's the number one thing that you would advise people on or share with people? And my answer is the same every single time. Get a coach. Here's why. I mean, if Tiger Woods goes out and his swing starts sucking, he doesn't just swing harder, right? If a musician loses the skill set or whatever, they don't just start screaming louder, right? A baseball player doesn't swing harder. 
sometimes you got to step back and find someone that can see something that you don't see, yeah. right? Butch Harmon goes to Tiger Woods and says, we're going to redo this. And they might start completely over. And at the time, he's like, fuck that, dude. I'm, I'm a championship golfer. I'm the best there has there ever been. Well, then he comes back better, right? And, and coaching and having people, advisory board, whatever, it shortens the gap from here to here. And yeah. that's what people don't understand. Like, why would I pay a coach? I Fuck that. I'll just pull, pull my bootstraps up and go at it alone. Like, that's cool, bro. That sounds really great. But you've been trying to do the same thing for 10 fucking years and you haven't gotten there. What if you literally paid someone to teach you what it is that you're not doing and then all of a sudden you have it in 90 days? Right. If yeah, you think you're smart, sense. wouldn't that be the smart thing to do? Yet you went to college and spent $75,000 on education that you don't do anything with. How's that work? You know what I mean? So yeah, my advisory board is important to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I, I really, really love that. All right, look, one question I absolutely have to ask you before we, before we let you go is real quick, the American Snippets we started because we saw back then, a couple of years ago, we saw the divisiveness in this country. We saw how people were just trash talking it and how uh, people were starting to, or voicing more loudly that the American dream is dead and over. And me as a military widow, that impacted me personally, the attack on patriotism gets me personally. Uh, so we started this to share messages of people who overcome challenges and prove that the American dream is possible for anybody who's willing to just suck it up and make it happen no matter what it takes to get there. But we understand that the American dream is different for everybody. And part of the resistance we get is because people think we're trying to conform them into one version of the American dream, but we know everybody's got a different version of that. So I'd like to ask you, what is your version of the American dream? Becoming president and uh, establishing term limits and getting rid of every single fucking career politician that's been in there for 30 years. But I digress. I digress. <laughs> Those are my goals, not my dreams. But my dreams become my goals, so whatever. You know, yeah. this is a two, two-part question for me. Uh, okay. Number one, um, our, our, our founding fathers went to war over a small tax hike. And we now pay 40 45%, 50% in taxes. Uh, the American dream in that sense is dead. If I went and worked my entire life and paid my home off, the government still owns my home. If I don't pay my property taxes, they take my shit. You can't buy a candy bar. You can't buy gas. You can't buy a cigar. You can't buy a cell phone without being taxed. We have a real serious problem here. And, and, and it's not black, white, rich, poor. It is an institution that has literally granted itself the liberty to feel like the 535 of us Congressmen and senators run this thing and this thing being America, not how this country was founded, not the purpose of this country. And I think one of the really beautiful things that you're seeing now is people are waking up going, no, dude, Bernie Sanders, shut the fuck up, dude. You've been saying the same thing for 30 years. Help the people. Help. You've been in DC for 30 years, bro. What the fuck have you done? Nothing. You pander the same message over and over and over again. That reality is real for everybody. Rich, poor, gay, straight, black, white. That American dream of being free of king, of a government, it doesn't exist anymore. And I think that's a real, real, real serious danger that my belief is that we're now exposing a lot of that and you're seeing through Donald Trump and through a lot of this quote unquote deep state, there's so much resistance because it's not sustainable the way that it's going. We can't just keep popping three trillion out here and two trillion out there and going, oh, it's all great. Our country's in 
$26 trillion. How the fuck do you, that, it doesn't work. If you and I don't balance our checkbook, we go bankrupt. America, as Congress senators, I would just write a bunch of more checks. That's how it works. It's not sustainable. That part of the American dream, without question, is in jeopardy. Believe it 100%. But I also realized that my, my great-grandparents came over from Ireland without a pot to piss in. And I'm now sitting here in a beautiful truck and living a beautiful home, and I'm able to build a business and have the liberties and the freedoms to be able to say whatever the hell I want, whenever I want, and I don't get hung for it. There's countries around the world that if what you and I are talking about right now, we'd be stoned to death, we'd be hung, we'd be shot. So I think that people really need to understand that, that there is a real serious war on and the enslavement of people's brains right now, the enslavement and, and the literally keeping people down, if you will. And it ain't a black and a white thing, but just the mentality of human beings. Like we, we, the people, 338 million Americans somehow think these 535 ass clowns in DC control us and they don't. And I think people are starting to wake up and that's a really powerful thing to realize that we, the people really have the power. We are the dream. Like this country exists. Your ability to speak words of rebellion, speak words that literally are treasonous, if you will, which is what happened in 1776, yet they did it. That's a beautiful thing. And I think more and more and more people are waking up and growth is painful. Growth is painful. You go try and get in shape, you're radically out of shape. Getting in shape is painful. It's painful to acknowledge where you are financially, emotionally, psychologically, to grow into something different. Me to acknowledge that I was an angry, bitter man was painful because I had to face truth. And so right here, right now, every single person listening to this has the ability to go do what it is that they want to do. You're free to go smack somebody in the face if you want. There's repercussions for that, but you're free to go do it, right? I think it's a really beautiful time in our history for not only people to be able to create what it is they want to create, build what they want to build. There's a reason that people literally risk their life to come to this country. They get on boats, they drown at sea, they jump over walls, they dig fucking tunnels to come into this country. Because it is without question the dream of the world to be able to have the ability that you and I now have. And I think that's a, a, it's an extremely powerful thing that a lot of this, in, this entitled generation, generations, don't realize that. We've never spent time in a third world country. We've never been broke. We've never been hungry, really hungry. You know what I mean? A dollar goes and, and gets you a meal. Nobody's really starving to death. And I think that's the reason a lot of people aren't in that position of real change. But the American dream is without question the reason people come to this country. It's the reason our ancestors came here. It's, it's what drives you and I every single day to go do something. We have an idea. We have a vision. I have a vision of making these things happen. And we have the freedom to do it. And that's a really, really powerful thing. And, and I think right now with what's going on in our culture and our society, I think it's really, really, really powerful. And I think it's a really beautiful thing because Malcolm Gladwell talks about in, in The Tipping Point, one of my favorite books, how the pendulum swings back and forth. And for 75 years, it's been like, sit down, quiet down, shut up, don't say anything, just do as you're told. And the national debt has gone up and career politicians have become empowered and all of these other things have happened. And now all of a sudden you're seeing a swing back the other way where it's like, no, nah, dude, some politicians are stepping down because they're scared. And that's a beautiful thing. That's a powerful thing. You're seeing the commoners stepping up into positions of power politically. That's exactly what this country needs. That is the American dream is for us to be able to have the liberty and the ability to do whatever the fuck we want, whenever we want. And even though we're dealing with a fairly significant oppression, if you will, from a government and an institution, 
we have the ability to be able to change that. And I think that's really cool. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. If people want to follow up with you, they want to hop into the Lions Not Cheap or apply to be coach, whatever, all things Sean Whalen, where can they go? Uh, SeanWhalen.com, LionsNotSheep.com. You can find me pretty much anywhere. If you have the, the worldwide webs that Al Gore created, um, you can find me. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. There you have it, everyone. That wraps up another episode of American Sippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We really appreciate it. I want to personally thank Sean Whalen for being here as well, sitting down with us, sharing his story, his message, his thoughts. If you want to learn more about Sean Whalen, just go to seanwhalen.com or uh, definitely check out Lions Not Sheep as well. And don't forget, we do a full featured article each and every week on every one of our guests. Barb is an amazing writer, so you're going to want to definitely check this out. Uh, go to americansnippets.com. Again, it's the featured article of the week. Uh, you can rewatch, uh, re-listen to the podcast episode there, watch the video interview as well, read the article. And we also include some social media links that you can use to follow uh, Sean on social, Instagram, uh, Facebook, etc. cetera. Uh, don't forget, we have a brand new community that we just launched called The Great American Syndicate. It's an extension of everything that we do here uh, on the podcast. Uh, so if you're interested in joining a patriotic, entrepreneurial, mindset-driven community uh, where people want to just pursue more out of life and take advantage of all the opportunities that exist in this country, and you want to claim a free t-shirt, whether you join our community or not, just go to greatamericansyndicate.com, check it out, claim your free t-shirt, let us know what you think. Uh, also, if you got any value out of today's episode with Sean Whalen, please share it on social media, share this podcast with a friend, let them know what we're doing here, make sure you uh, uh, follow us and share this episode on social media, at American Snippets, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, and YouTube, and um that's about it. That's all we got for you here today. Again, leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed this episode with Sean Whalen, uh, and we will see you next week. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. Take care.